We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 93 is what I'm told by my esteemed colleague, Matthew Rooney. I am the Alongside Matt. Alongside Matt, I am Joe Musso. Plenty to get to here today on the Moose and Runes podcast, but we start on a somber note with the unsuccessful signing, or what would you say, just the signing of Manny Machado the, elsewhere? Yeah, I guess the yeah the un- unsuccessful, unsuccessful pursuit, courting, pursuit courting courtship. Of, yeah. I mean, I've been yeah. there before, so I, I get it. But, uh, <laughs> Who hasn't? Um, Who yeah, hasn't? I guess we've all been there. Um, I guess she was I, my Machado. I've been, I've been in kind of inside on this here, Joe. I've been kind of uh, boots on the ground being in Chicago. You've been over there in, in Sacramento, not as close to the situation. So I'd like to, I'd like to start by asking you, what's the the outside perspective? Is there much of an outside perspective of, of what kind of happened? What the um, the look the, is on the Chicago White Sox organization after all this? The outside perspective, there's not much like individual perspective on the White Sox organization, but the outside perspective was that of. Um, just a bunch of free agents still not having been signed, and mm-hmm. this was the first guy to go down here. So it was looked at uh, through a positive lens okay. um, elsewhere. Which but, I can see. Yeah, that having sense. been a White Sox fan and and hoping that this was kind of that shot in the arm, that injection that the franchise was looking for. Personally, it was obviously a disappointment. Um, being as removed as I am, I obviously did not feel the um, immediate uh, shock waves. Mm-hmm. Of the decision or the, uh, I, I don't know, the the gravity, the weight of it that was probably felt uh, in Chicago on the south side and elsewhere. But uh, it's disappointing nonetheless. You know, this is a guy that they targeted. This is a guy that all summer they talked about. This is a guy that they put a great, you can't knock the package that is being reported that they put out in front of them. See, and yes, that's... I get it. Why not guarantee the money if it's going to be pretty much easily incentivized and easily attained for him to get to that 320, 350 mark, whatever it was. Why not guarantee him that money? I totally get that knock on it, but at the same time, it it wasn't a package to scoff at. It wasn't a Reinsdorf special where, let me tell you, for three months we're going to be a part of this, and then uh, we'll fall over at the last minute. Yeah, that's what it was planned to be that. It's 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 weird. I've been trying, honestly, and I still kind of am for since, what was it, Tuesday, been trying Mm -hmm. to actually nail down how exactly I feel about the situation, how exactly I feel about the White Sox. And I'm with you. I I can't call what they offered cheap. Like, it it wasn't a a cheap offer. It was, you know, 31 a year. It would have, it could have netted 350, but Mm -hmm. the odds of Machado having 550 at bats in years 9 and 10 of that deal probably means he wasn't getting the 350. Yeah. Um, I don't know. To, to me, it still just seems like the White Sox. I don't want to say same old White Sox because they weren't cheap about it, but they were also like they just kind of had one. You know, they didn't just dive all in like the Padres did. They left like, the door open do for the Padres to make a bigger yeah, splash. And, and, you know, he, I guess this is the one caveat I have to the situation. The White Sox may have never known the the Padres offer, and even you know, two weeks ago when it was rumored that the Padres are meeting were both and, and kind of were that dark horse team that the people were talking about. The rumor was the Sox still had the offer to beat. And from what um, people, have, uh, from what I think Cap was talking about on the radio, apparently Dan Lozano called the night before uh, Machado signed and said, you know, the, the four finalists, I think it was the Yankees, Phillies, Sox, and, uh, and Padres, and said, you know, basically right now need your best offer, absolute, like, there's yeah. no more offers, give it to me. If the Sox went into that phone call, still Is that believing your final answer? exactly with, with the public re- with the perception that eight for two fifty with the option to get to three fifty whatever was still the best offer. They didn't know the Padres mm-hmm. were going to ten for three hundred. Oh, okay, I still kind of get that, and it's hard to blame a team for not being able to read minds and know that was the offer. But at the same time, Manny Machado signed for exactly what everybody thought he'd sign for. Yeah, that, 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 when it, when it comes, I, I know you know we we had this part of the offseason where it dipped down and people were saying, no, he might not even get $200 million. But in the end, in the reality, all we ever heard from, you know, May, June on, and, and the White Sox wanted you to know it because multiple people 
multiple different sources were saying this. It was coming from everywhere. The White Sox will not be outbid for Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. If they want one of them, they'll go get them. They're not going to be outbid. They might not get them because somebody, they, you know, they might choose elsewhere, but they won't be outbid. And then they were outbid. Yeah. Like, if you really want it, and I know a for two fifty is not a bad offer, it, it, but it's not what they were asking for. If you really, really wanted the guy, and the analogy I keep seeing on you know Twitter is you know someone selling a house for three hundred k, and the Sox said here's two hundred fifty k, and if it's good, you know if I have no problems with it ten years from now, I'll give another hundred. And the Padres came in and said, you know, here's just your asking price. We'll give it to you. If you really wanted them, you would have just said, here's your asking price. And that's what that's what worries me going forward with the White Sox and future you know, future free agent negotiations. One, if you're not going to give $300 million to Manny Machado, who are you going to give $300 million to? I, I don't see an upcoming free agent that, I mean, Nolan Arenado's next year, but he's also a little bit older, might not even get there. I mean, Mike Trout is a pipe dream. He's not coming to the White Sox. Um I just I, I don't see this helping them. I, I I see this furthering their reputation of a team that cares more about saving money and pinching pennies and winning negotiations than they do getting the player. And sometimes to get the player, you have to make a bad business decision to get that talent. And for a team that's not paying anyone for the foreseeable future, I mean anyone, and they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. telling you how worried they are about how seven years from now they're going to have to start paying people. Well, you cross that bridge when you come to it. And if you sign Manny Machado now... A thirty million a year, while still a lot, doesn't look terrible. It's not nearly as bad eight years from now as it is now. I mean, in, in terms of how high the uh, luxury tax is going to keep growing. Um, I just uh, and, and hopefully you've already done your winning by then, and that's a problem you can figure out. It, and to me, it just yeah, seems like they tried to cut corners. It's it's a Jerry Reinsdorf organization trying to cut corners. I think that the Sorry for my for, rambling. No, you're good. I think the foresight is good in a situation like this to be forecasting and planning out the next decade of baseball. But like you said, if you're bad seven years from now, after five years of good baseball and a World Series or two, great. We'll deal with it. We'll figure it out. Let's be bad for another six years and do it all over again, Mm -hmm. whatever. But the Sox have been bad for so long, and there is no sign of an immediate turnaround. You know how impatient I've been with what's been called this quote-unquote rebuild that – Go this, ahead. I guess, did not. No, this this wasn't a surprise to me. I did not have the expectation, despite res- reports and this and that, of Manny Machado coming to the White Sox because of the other teams that were courting him. I did not see the White Sox as the destination. And how we talk about NBA players going to places regardless of destination, going to OKC, going to Golden State. I mean, Golden State's a great destination, but yeah. going places regardless of the sunshine and the food. Yeah. Baseball, I feel like, is still a little different. I think guys are still going to um, – obviously, you're going to teams like Boston and New York for not only the ambiance but the ability to win. You're mm-hmm. going to places like San Diego for – You're going to San Diego burrito, for the weather. The weather, the best burritos in the world. I don't know. Now, if you look at this from a long-term standpoint, which I'm sure Machado's people did, he'd make more money in Chicago regardless, mm-hmm. because I can tell you firsthand, um, taxes and, and fees out here not in California are not fantastic. I just uh, bundled some home and auto insurance yesterday. And, uh, oh, good for you. We're going to be eating ramen noodles for a little bit here. Because, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Those are delicious. Well, I moved it, I moved it to digress here a bit. I moved it from my <laughs> Illinois plan, because I had to get new registration stickers yeah. for your plates, and you can't do it unless you have California insurance. This, that, and the other. Maybe well, for we your doubled. airing of grievances, you can tell here. us about your DMV trip. Yeah, I'll tell you more about my DMV uh, experience that prevented us from recording the podcast yesterday. Actually, I'd, I'd rather not live that again. So I would love to live it, that. though. Point I'll, being, I'll push you towards it. Point being, Chicago, um, namely the White Sox, uh, not exactly the complete package right now. And I'm not knocking the... Uh, the city, because you know I love it more than mm-hmm. anything. I'm knocking the franchise because it is a. It, it's that you know what the White Sox are. The White Sox are that house that's been studs for the last three years. You know, you drive by it every day. You know, it doesn't even register anymore because it's just that house that's been getting worked on. And I don't know if the you know financier went broke or the family something happened and they don't have the money to build the house anymore. It's a half-built home with no signs of getting finished. Manny Machado would have just been, you know, some windows on a half-built home. He was not the end-all be-all. There are so many problems with this team and with the way that they've timed up a rebuild that 
it's not an attractive place to be. I understand you have prospects, and two years from now, uh, Kopech's going to be back, and he's going to be the best player in the game. I understand that Eloy's going to be hitting balls into the into the lights again in not too distant time, and that Moncada was just a misstep last year, and that he's going to be fantastic. I'll believe it when I see it. This house is not built. It is, it's the one you drive by and you look at and say, I still haven't done any work on that. that that's what the White Sox hmm. are right now. Now, see, I, I agree with you to an extent. I think I'm a little bit higher on where the rebuild's headed, but I agree with the premise that they haven't. Not where it's it. headed. I mean, not okay. where it's headed, Matt. Because, no, 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 not where it's headed. Where it is right now. Okay. Because it's headed somewhere good, hopefully. Hopefully these guys, all those guys that I just plotted out and those things that I just said in jest, are well, that, truths. Well, that's where, I'm, that's, that's where I'm getting to that, is right now you're Manny still... Manny Machado's not going Sox. somewhere to wait. He's well, going to San Diego. To San Diego. Yeah, but San Diego's yeah. roster, if you look at it right now, I understand how bad San Diego was last year, but is that it, infield, that, they, they it's pay, better than the White paying, Sox. It's not a ton. Who, na- name me one pitcher on the San Diego Padres. That's one thing that I do. That's, they don't I, have a pitcher. They're, they're, they're starting... Their ace is Clayton Richard. Yeah. Joe. I mean, the, you, you can't tell me. The, the, the Padres maybe have the bigger name. They went out and overpaid for Eric Hosmer, who's, you know, actually just kind of an average first baseman. If you want to go at that, the Sox already have the better first mm-hmm. baseman. I mean, if you want to talk outfielders, I, if gun to my head right now, I'll take Eloy Jimenez over Will Myers. Will Myers can't stay healthy for more than half a season. Don't tell me that the pa- I mean, the Padres have the prospects. Don't get me wrong. Like they, I think they have the number one farm system in the uh, MLB pipeline rankings. The Sox are mm-hmm. three. I think the Braves are two. So the, You can sell me on that, but the Padres are selling – Manny Machado on the same exact thing the White Sox are, except yeah. they can sell them on a. It's it's really nice here all year long. You're you're not going to have to wear a you know a ski mask when you're playing home games in April. And um, where was I going? I had a second point. I had a second point, but now I'm blanking on it. Damn it, Joe. No, your first point was good, and, and it 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 does refute mine pretty directly. And it's not. Uh, it's not a matter of... But that, that's what the Padres did. The Padres knew they were selling Manny Machado on potential, so they said, mm-hmm. here's a bunch of money. Because that's what it was going to take to get Manny Machado to come. If you were selling him, if you're the New York Yankees, you probably didn't have to sell him on potential. You probably, they, If the New York Yankees offered him the White Sox contract or something similar to it but a little less, I guarantee he'd be a New York Yankee right now. The, the Padres knew they were up fighting an uphill battle. They knew they didn't have the success, the... I mean, talent right now to sell them on, they're still not going to be, you know, much of a great team for a couple of years if they even get there. So they said, you want 10 for 300? Here's 10 for 300. And that's what it took to get them. You had to pay them the money. The White Sox didn't want to do that. And they tried to have their, you know, they tried to sell them on potential. They tried to have their cake and eat it too. And they got, they got bit. So you, do you think that they, do you put any stock into the fact that, you know, this was just, this was just a way to engage the fan base. They never had any plans of signing them, and this low ball or this. Um, well, again, I don't think it was a low contract. ball. I don't think it was a incentive. Yeah, it was again. It was. Like it's, I can't call it cheap because it wasn't cheap, but it just it seemed like the White Sox were more concerned with winning the negotiation and the player than just getting the player. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, when you get to where they were in negotiations where you knew he wasn't biting on your offer, the same one he had at the table for so long. If you were willing to go go to 350, just say, okay, fine. No guarantee, no, uh, no incentives, no vesting options, whatever. Here's 10 years for $300 million. Let's go sign it right now. I mean, another thing San Diego has going for them too, and I think Cap was actually talking about this on his show. He said he's heard Tim Kirkchen mention it a couple times. He's very familiar with Baltimore. I think that's his base. Manny Machado preferred a small market. And while the White Sox don't have the biggest fan base, uh, obviously, in Chicago, they're, they're the number two team in terms of fan base, they're a rabid one. And it's it's still a Chicago market that if you have a superstar like Manny Machado not living up to expectation, whatever, not playing well, you're going to hear about it because the Chicago media is tough. And the fan base, while there's not as many as the Cubs, it's a it's a rabid fan base that if you're not performing, will let you hear about it. Maybe he just felt like going to San Diego, not caring for you know 10 years, making $300 million, And if he wins something, he wins something. If not, whatever. So... You don't believe that he enjoyed his LA experience, or were 
we should be led to believe that he did enjoy his LA experience. I think he might have been fine with it, but again, like as intense as the Dodgers might be, you know, as as historical as the the Los Angeles Dodgers might be, it's still LA, and you know, you're not facing the intense fan base that you're going to be facing in New York, in mm. Philly, in Chicago. It's not I mean, you, you know off. better. You know better than I do because you. I mean, if, um, you don't live in L.A., but you. It's live a big place, and there's a lot of stuff going on, and you and know, again, people are he might jaded. Have, he might have enjoyed his everything. time there, but he was at the same time. All he had to do was you know play some baseball for a run. Be you know he was playing. Yeah. He wasn't the the biggest name on that team. He just kind of had to go play baseball for a couple months for a pretty good team. Maybe if he won, that'd be great. If not, he's going to go get paid. So he wasn't really playing. He could have done whatever the hell. He could have not gotten a hit with the Dodgers. He still would have gotten paid a, a crap ton of money. Yeah, my, really point no was just that, my point was just that um, it looked like he was having a pretty good time in a big market with pretty rabid fans last year. So I don't know if I'm not putting a ton of, I'm not saying yeah. put all the stock into that. I'm saying it might have been a factor. That's all. Yeah, you know there are a ton of factors, and I that's one thing I don't feel. Like at any point during his career, I really know or knew who Manny Machado is or was. You know, Mm -hmm. he's not. And that's the case for most baseball players. And we could get into a much larger topic here and the marketing of players and and where the sport's headed. But I'm not going to go there. But you feel like you have a better idea of where a guy's going to go and the decision he's going to make based on his personality based mm-hmm. on the decisions he's made in his career based on you know a certain set of things and in baseball we really don't get that i what well give, tell me something interesting about manny machado I, he's uh, he's his brother-in-law is yonder alonso and he's good friends with john jay there you go like whereas there are basketball players you could i know it's a pop culture intersection but we could probably tell you more about tristan thompson than we really wanted to right now yeah. uh i could tell you more about uh, you know any one of these kings because i'm by him you could tell me more about otto porter because he's been hot in chicago uh you could tell me more about philip rivers sixth son you know the baseball we just don't know these guys yeah, outside of Bryce Harper, be able, it seems like you don't really know anything about any like you know a lot of those stuff anything about anybody it's not it's not personal. You don't feel connected to the players. Maybe you once did when you were the little kid getting Paul Canerco's autograph and you mm-hmm. knew every stat on the back of the card. I'm not in that position to be that little kid anymore, obviously. And if the league isn't doing everything in their power to put this guy in front of me and give me an idea of who he is, how the hell am I supposed to know where he's going to go? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, now forget to that point, that's a much bigger discussion on how baseball needs to, open up certain policies a bit. I mean, it, you still can't go on Twitter or YouTube and watch highlights unless it's, you know, from their sponsored account and all that stuff, which is just, yeah. you know, ridiculously stupid to, for trying to market your, you know, your, your star players, your, your star franchises and all that. But I guess back to the, to, to tie this all together. Um, if the White Sox go out and it's not going to be all this year, if they go out and spend some, some of that money, I mean, Rick Hahn has said the money will be spent, maybe not this off season, but over the next few years, it'll be spent. If they go out and spend that money, you know, maybe I'll, I'll think differently, but until then it's, it, and I don't, I'm not sure I blame Rick Hahn because I think he had his, he was told what his limitations were. Um, yeah. but it's I'm just, it's going to be hard to shake this perception. Um, going forward in future negotiations and, and being a fan of the team. I'm still going to root for them. I still love them. I'm still going to go to their games, all that. But it, it's going to be hard to shake the perception or even get, you know, too excited about, you know, ever really bringing in a big-time player again. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And this was this was the white whale. So I, I don't think we're going to have to, no. like you said, the free agent market the next few years. Um, and this was the one of- time you probably had the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Dodgers, all not involved in negotiations. None of them had, I mean, the Yankees technically, but they didn't even make an offer apparently to, to either, or especially Machado. So you didn't have any of the big guns in, in the negotiations. You didn't have to deal with any of them. This would have been the time to hook them. I, I agree with you. Uh, plenty, plenty other topics to get to here, Matt, including a surging Blackhawks team. Ten of their last twelve. God, they're so fun. An unnecessarily exciting game last night against Detroit. Uh, Patrick Kane with two goals, extending the point streak to I believe nineteen. 19. No, twenty six is the record. Twenty six from twenty six is the record. It's, it's, gotcha. well, it's, it's his record. Uh, Patrick gotcha. Kane now and owns the longest and second 19. longest 
point streaks by American-born <laughs> hockey players all to himself. Some Will uh, Chamberlain stuff. Yeah, he he was he tied himself last night at eighteen, or you know was tied last night at eighteen, and then broke his. What's the, the what's the Gretzky's got a ridiculous? Yeah, I, I, I assume. But what's the uh, what's the number? Uh, that's a good question, Wayne. Like eight hundred and seven or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's point streak. Yeah, it was. I want to say it was like in the fifties. Um, how many points? Yeah, uh, 51 games. DiMaggio. 51 games. So, at, wow. Oh, DiMaggio is 56. I was going to say that would be pretty sweet if it was yeah. the same thing. <laughs> um, Kane's probably not going to get there. I'm just going to say it. Okay. Um, not with that attitude. Well, it, it, he can't get there this year. There's only 20-some <laughs> games left. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm sure you saw the highlights last night. I, I know you are working, so I doubt um, you I saw watched, watched the first period, uh, then peeled off, went to King's media availability, then came back and watched, got sat down as overtime gotcha. started. I was, you know, I go into media availability and it's three to, or excuse me, four to one at that point. Mm-hmm. Three to one, four to one. What was it after the first period? Three, it was three to one. one. And then Kane's, three goal, to one. Kane's goal came like two minutes, less than two minutes into the second. Into the, into second. the second. Yeah. yeah. Saw that on Twitter, went in, came out. It was a tie game. Yeah. That's the roller coaster that the Blackhawks have been on this year, Joe. It's, it's been a wild, wild ride. And, um, it, but it, it's been fun to watch because, uh, you know, as much as they're never out of a game because of how quickly they can score and, quite honestly, how good Patrick Kane is, um, mm-hmm. they're also, like, no lead with them is ever really safe either. So, yeah. like, it, it's it's not going to last, and I, they might make the playoffs, which would be fun. I, I, if I had to bet on it now, I'd say they're going to make the playoffs. But once they get there and they play a team like Winnipeg or Nashville or Calgary, who's, you know, really good, um, mm-hmm. it, it'll probably come crashing down. But for now, I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. They were never really going to get the number one overall pick anyway. So at this point, you know, who really cares? Um, it, it's it's fun to watch. And quite honestly, it's it's a better selling point for this team to do what they are now. You know, in the offseason when free agency rolls around, they got some options out there than it would be if they were, you know, doing what they were last year and you're right around the bottom of the league, not really even competing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't expect them to be big players at the deadline here, correct? No, um, I, I don't see them making much of any big moves uh, i think mm-hmm. you might see them try and move out one of their you know rotating defensemen now just to get you know a pick because they got some guy they got henry yoki haru who was up earlier in the year they could bring him back up from rockford i think they'd like to so i think they're showcasing a lot of their you know middling defensemen right now to try and move one of them for just some random pick which they might be able to do um i think they're listening on artem and isimov uh i, I don't think they're going to get what they want right now. I think that move might come in the off season, but I think you'll see him moved eventually. But that that's, that's the biggest name. I think you'll hear moved, whether it's in or out. I don't see them being buyers or massive buyers or sellers. Cause it doesn't really make sense. Doesn't, yeah, as I said, it doesn't make sense to make a big splash, to make a big move to sell, uh, no. long term in, uh, it doesn't make sense to buy, it doesn't make sense to buy rentals either because they're not yeah. one move away from being a stand. They, they have a better chance of rolling the dice and winning the Stanley cup than they do of, you know, selling off, you know, future assets for our Temi Panarin. It just doesn't Absolutely. make sense when you're going to be a player for these guys in the off season, just take your chance there. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think that, uh, it's just good to have them back in a competitive air in, in a competitive place where, you know, it feels like just yesterday we were talking about a, a core that deserved better mm-hmm. and, uh, and a group that was reeling on the heels of the firing of a historic head coach. And to have turned it around on the heels or, or, or due to this Patrick Kane scoring streak, uh, it, it's, been, it's been fun to watch from afar and I'm sure uh, from close up too. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's got to be credit too to, to, to Jeremy Colleton who came into – I think both of us would agree almost an impossible situation. Um, you know, a very veteran led locker room with, you know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, who had been with mm-hmm. Joel Quenville forever. Obviously the fan base loved Joel Quenville and rightfully so. And, you know, the firing wasn't handled well at all. Um, he came into almost an impossible situation after a little bit of a rough start. He's kind of obviously with the help of Patrick Kane and some of his best forwards, but he's pushing buttons too. He's gotten a lot of, the right combinations, a lot of line chemistry going with the guys he's put together. And he's now, I think, 500 as coach of the Blackhawks. And that was after, I think, like a 3-12 and 12 start. So give him a little bit of credit, too. He, he's, he didn't lose the locker room when the locker room could have easily quit on him. Absolutely. And uh, they, this group's turned it around, and they're, they're playing good hockey again. I, I think he deserves some credit. And that's not a knock on Joel Quenville. Just don't want to make that. No, that's not a knock on him. But, you know, give the new guy some credit and the, the job he's done as well here uh, as of late. 
Yeah. I think that uh, it's, you know, it's a, didn't we say it? It's a tryout for him. Yeah. You know, this is, this is a guy trying to earn a job, if not here, elsewhere. And um, he's doing a good job with it. It, it appears so. It appears so. At least uh, they've turned this thing around and they're winning some games. They currently sit in the second wild card, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So they sat in the second wild card for about 45 minutes last night in okay, Colorado. Was yeah, this. so it was going into the, it was like going into, it was midway through the second. Colorado ended up winning their game like 7-1, to one, so they jumped the Hawks again. But uh, we got Hawks. Dallas Hawks, and Colorado this weekend, correct? Hawks hosting the Avalanche and the Stars this weekend. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to say this is the season, these two games, because I think there's still, you know, 18-some games after this and anything can happen. But these two games are huge. These are these are playoff games. These are playoff-type atmospheres for the Blackhawks. These are the biggest games they're going to play in all year. I now, think you, they need to come out with at least three of the four points. To go slightly uh, different direction here. Sure. Is Patrick Kane? Is this the best hockey you've seen Patrick yes. Kane play in his career? Yes. Yes. Um, obviously, this he's had it? some great playoff runs, which is uh, which we'll all remember. Obviously, he won the Conn Smythe in twenty thirteen. He's, he's done some great things. He won the MVP a few years ago. But what he's doing now, I don't think I've I've ever seen him do or a Chicago Blackhawk do in my lifetime. And it's he's the team has filled in around him since he started this, but. Kane's point streak, Kane getting this all, like Kane getting this started, getting this MVP run going, is what jump started the Blackhawks. And since then, you've seen people feed on it. Alex DeBrink, it's probably going to be a 40 goal scorer this year. Um, Jonathan Taves is back to being the old Jonathan Taves. He's probably going to finish with over 30 this year again. I mean, the guys have fed off him, but this starts with Patrick Kane. And because of what he's doing, without him, there is no playoff run. They are dead last in the NHL. He has absolutely put the team on his back. I, I, I want to say before this point streak started, Joe, he wasn't even within shouting distance of, of the mm-hmm. NHL point league. He wasn't in the top 10. He was having a great year. still having a very good year. He was right around 10, like just kind of hovering around the top 10. And now he's within, you know, I think seven points. He's second in the NHL in scoring. He's... His point streak now, uh, so going into last game, he was, he was on an 18-game point streak. He had 40 points in those 18 games. In his 26-game point streak in 2016, he had 40 points. So I, I know that, that the last point streak lasted longer, but he had uh-huh. the same amount of points in eight less games. Uh, and what yeah. he's doing now is something we haven't seen anyone do in a Blackhawks uniform in our lifetime and might not be something we see again. So whether they win a Stanley Cup, whether they get to the playoffs or not, what you're seeing right now from Patrick Kane is something to – it's must-watch TV and something that I'm going to continue to tune in every night, whether I'm working or not. Yeah, no doubt, you know, a special performance night after night from him, and I don't get to see a ton of him out here other than highlights. And last night with it being on national, being able to watch a little mm-hmm. bit, just watching him is mesmerizing. You know, not watching the puck, watching Patrick Kane – come off the bench for a shift and skate his shift. And every time he's on the ice, you have a feeling, you have a sense that something cool or special can happen. Every time he cool, carries the special, puck across the it's blue a line. Constant, it's a constant build, how he waits uh-huh. on the backs of his skates and then explodes. And even last night through the first period, they, they did a nice cut up of, you know, he didn't score in the first, but here's how he affected the game. And he had three guys skating to him at all times. He just opens up ice now. The, the attention people have, like, that. that's why he, his assist streak, actually, he had, in addition to that point streak, I think he had a 17-game assist streak, which mm-hmm. ended last night. But that was going for as long as it was, partially because every time he gets that puck along the right wall, he has two, three guys kind of hovering over that direction because they have yeah. to respect that shot. They have to take advantage, which means somebody's open on the back door and he can kind of float a pass over and, and boom, it's a goal. Like that That's what he does. It, it, it opens up so much for everyone. And then even with all this attention, he's got 37 goals this year, 38 goals this year now. So, Conn Smythe? That'd be the heart, Joe. Excuse uh, me, hey, heart. If the they heart. win the Stanley Conn Cup, Smythe. yes, if they put him in the Conn net. Smythe. <laughs> uh, they might, I mean, to make this push here at the end, it's an idea. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we don't know what Corey's no. going to be when he comes back. So can, if, if, they, if they make the playoffs, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind he wins the MVP. Um, yeah. Not that, not to not. And Nikita Kucherov is the he's leading the NHL right now in points. He's having a fantastic year. He's probably going to win the the points total, and that and that's great. But he's also playing on a team that's I think twenty points clear, almost twenty points clear of any other team in the NHL. So they obviously yeah. have a lot of talent and a lot to go around there. Um, without Patrick Kane on the Blackhawks, they're like I said, they're in dead last. 
without yeah. Nikita Kucherov on the Lightning, they're still probably leading that division and playing very good hockey. So, so I, when you, yeah, when you if they make the playoffs, the yes. most valuable, even if they don't team. make the playoffs, he's going to have a shot and he'll be probably second in the voting. He is, he is yeah. right now the best hockey player in the world. And that's not a, that's not a knock on Sidney Crosby. It's not a knock on Connor McDavid. I'm not saying overall Patrick Kane's a better player. I'm saying what he's doing right now. He's the mm-hmm. best hockey player in the world. You won't get any argument from me there, Matthew. Well, that's that. That'll be a first. <laughs> well, uh, we, we might be able over checks, checks over stripes. Last night, Zion Williamson just a, a single possession into the Duke North, North Big Carolina win for tobacco my heels. road rivalry. Big win for my heels. Blows out a shoe. Blows out a Nike Paul George player edition. Sorry, Paul. Shoe shoe sales are probably gonna 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 feel that one for the next week or so. Here, you know what? Um, I think out of support for Paul, I'm gonna buy a pair of his shoes. There you go. Yeah. I think it's a cool shoe too. Yeah, but cool uh, shoe. It takes Plus, I'm not as big as Zion or as explosive, so I think my ankle will be just fine. <laughs> a uh, a what's being called a knee sprain. Uh, no really update on it in terms of timetable or in terms of the extent of the injury or what ligaments were affected. But uh, that's the is, key word, though. The is, key word to me there is ligaments. That's yeah, the key, not something to screw around with. Uh, yeah, and the key word to me here is injury, and we're never going to get a, a straight up timetable on this. I don't no. think we are. This is his. This is his pro card. This is his way to say, Coach K, I'm sorry. Thank you for the opportunity. I wish we could have done this the right way. I'm going to go sit at the end of the bench until, you know, April. I still think he's going to come back. I, I don't know why. I just have this feeling that he's not going to sit, sit, shut it down for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. If I were him, though, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a North Carolina fan and really don't like Duke and want to see them win. If I'm him, I... I think you almost have to. And if this was like, you know, if, if he turned an ankle, okay, whatever. Like you can get over an ankle turn. But the fact that you sprained a knee and that ligaments, not, maybe not be damaged, but are strained, sprain, whatever you want to call it. Like that's the ligaments in that knee. Like the next injury after that is a tear. And, and if you tear yeah. something in your knee, that's costing you a lot of money. Uh, that that's, that's not something to mess around with. We saw Nick Bosa different injury do some do the exact same thing earlier on this year with ohio state no one gave him crap for it everyone understood what he did he was hurt he was banged up he needed to probably have something done to his abdomen but he, he basically just said i've had a great time here i'm going to be the number one pick if i if i kind of just cut this off now and, and rehab and go on my mm-hmm. own and that's what he did and he's going to be the number one pick in all likelihood it's the smart thing to do if you're zion I, I Williams. as much as college basketball will miss him as cool it would be to see him in march the smart thing to do is is to call it. I think there's a small contingency of people who want to see him back on the court in a Duke jersey, and that's Duke fans. Yeah, that's essentially it. I can't blame them either. Like, <laughs> I want to watch Zion tear down rims for the next decade mm-hmm. in the NBA. You saw all the NBA guys jump on Twitter yesterday and said, "We'll see you in a few months, big fella. Get healthy. Don't be playing that stupid pay for nothing, play for nothing mm-hmm. ball anymore." And uh, Isaiah Thomas had a tweet. A couple other guys had a tweet, and they're ready for him to be at the next level. And it's a, uh, you know, it, it further highlights a flawed system. And I'm not saying that I have the solution here on compensating student athletes or whether or not they are student athletes at all, mm-hmm. or whether or not players should be able to go straight to the NBA or other professional. Can we just keep illegally paying p- these kids under the table and just, I think pay. that's the solution. <laughs> I think that's the solution. Big bags of untraceable money. And, uh, and then we can once every 15 to be publicly, years, we'll have the FBI get into it and then just completely can, not care anymore. And we can continue to be publicly outraged at the, fact that they're underpaid or that they're not paid and that they're sacrificing their bodies and being put into a situation. But this does highlight the issue that when there is the amount of money on the table for a guy like Zion Williamson, what is his incentive to play college basketball? Mm -hmm. You are not going, uh, there's not, there's zero. You're going to have guys going to play overseas overseas. Excuse me. You're going to have guys going to play in the G league development league. Um, which isn't going to be another option is my assumption big, big or is my league. understanding of it. Big baller league. Wherever, if there's a big baller league, if there's a <laughs> Rucker Park league where it's low contact, you're going to have a lot of guys foregoing their collegiate experience for 
safety, for the check, for guarantee that they will be healthy day one as an NBA superstar. Because you look at a lot of NBA guys, not a lot of guys, but you can highlight players, Michael Porter Jr., who were supposed to be um, world beater first overalls. Harry Giles here mm-hmm. in Sacramento was supposed to be a top three pick, dropped all the way to the bottom of the first round um, in the second round. No, bottom of the first round. Yeah, bottom first. Um, bottom of the first round, and he was supposed to be a guy who was a lottery pick. This is not something that is happening by chance. This is not something that is happening, um, you know, here and there. There is a traceable line of injuries affecting guys' pocketbooks, and the more that that happens, the less talent you're going to see at the at the collegiate level. Well, see, if you're, but I guess the counter to that is that it. People like to scoff at it online, whatever. But if you're Zion Williamson or whatever, and you sign that insurance policy, I, I forget who it is that hands them out, but the school is allowed to pay for that. So yeah. Zion Williamson, so Duke essentially, I, I'm not sure if these are the exact numbers, paid around $50,000 for Zion Williamson's $10 million insurance policy. So like, I, mean, I still think, like, while you're not getting the money right now, like that's that's probably better than going to the G League and making twenty thousand, whatever, or going overseas and you know making not however really. much you do over there. Because you're wouldn't not, you rather make the? I mean, if you're a guy like if you're a top, I top guess you prospect, are still you playing are, basketball. You, you know, with you're gonna, the possibility of being injured. Yeah, but. I mean, you're still you can still get injured over in Europe too. I mean, you're playing with yeah. grown men at that point. Whereas here, you sure I'm not making anything to play, but if. I'm projected to go number one, whatever, and I can't play again. Okay, I'll make $10 million. I just, I there's just not, don't know. What you said earlier, though, is right. There, there's not a good answer to, to how to really. The good answer is let these kids go straight doing. from high school to the league because That's what's the, the difference answer. between 18 and 19 year olds? And like, Jay, William, Jay Williams was saying that last night. Uh, and it, yeah. it, it's absolutely right. We used to do it. We should go back to it. I mean, I feel like the NBA really only changed the rule to help out college basketball and try and get these guys in, into school for one year and just to showcase them a little bit more because I think the marketability of, of some of those not the bigger name guys going from high school to the pros uh, probably hurt them a little bit too. Whereas if you get, you know, Dwight Howard, instead of going, you know, straight from high school, if you get him to go to Syracuse for one year, you could get him a little bit more exposure and then market him a little better when he comes into the pros. But it, it's not worth it for the kids. Just let them go pro. Yeah, not everyone's going to have the LeBron James uh, marketing plan in mm-hmm. high school, the spotlight on them like that. But Did he already know, we'll have to- Maverick Car- Carter hired by then? Um, I think Maverick <laughs> was a – I don't know if he was hired at that point. I think he's still just one of his buddies. That's such but, a cool um, name too, Maverick, Maverick Carter. Carter. Yeah. I'd agreed to things. Yeah. Um, I'd sign. I'd sign. Um, but either way, I think we're forgetting the top story. North Carolina just absolutely obliterated Duke in their own building last that night. That wasn't I mean, the top story. Yeah, the that top was story, absolutely the, the top, top story. The top story is that college basketball is really, really bad. The Tar Heels are a team to be reckoned with. They're, they're Great. fantastic. Great. Last night, you know what last night did? Last night reminded me why I don't watch college basketball until late April. I loved like, it. I loved every second of it. Excuse me, until late March. Um, it's just, yeah, I was going to say late April, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's over. over. It's over. Um, but until until March, I don't really watch college basketball. This is about the time bad, you start picking it up. I disagree. This is basketball. about the time you start picking it up. That was two versus eight last night, and we watched them go two for the first, I think, 16 from three-point range. Hey, but Bad basketball. You saw those points in the paint. Yeah, okay, North Carolina but, was dominant from the paint. 15 well, no, to 20 I, from in, started off 15 to 20 from from inside the arc. That's that's not why I'm here. Two and points, two points go on the score, why, Two points go on the scoreboard too, Joe. We don't all they yeah. don't all need to be threes. Okay. Well, it's, they they do need to shoot better than like 35% from the field. <laughs> so, um, that is uh See, that Duke, is the issue at hand. Duke last night, so obviously Zion was out at whatever it was 38 seconds into the game. They scored 72. Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett combined for 60. So the rest nice. of their team scored a combined oh twelve points. So not much depth there. No, not 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 much depth. But when you have, not I guess the uh, the number one, two, and three prospects in the country, yep. you probably don't need there's all that your, much depth. There's your depth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt, what do we got? What else we got? Hit me with something. We By yourself, right? Golf oh, week, yeah. yeah, golf is this week. We can touch on golf if you. If They're you in like. Mexico. Tigers. Playing, Tigers plants. Uh, that's all. WGC. Fun week last week at uh, at Riviera. Uh, oh, you didn't Genesis Open. Just the, that Sunday round was a death march, and, and you know they were they were behind pace the entire weekend yeah. after the Thursday rain, and then to have JB Holmes in a final group doesn't help you because that guy could that guy could put you to sleep. I will um, say that him plugging in the the side hill of the bunker out of the sand shot was one of the I, I've never seen that before. 
Yeah, that was, that was I mean, wild. And then he tried placing his driver down to give him the drop, and the driver wouldn't stay still. He was plumb bobbing putts from a foot. Like if you're if you're plumb bobbing from a foot, you should, you know, you should take up tennis because this the, or chess because the, quote the, of the podcast. The, the pace of play, the pace of play yeah. is an issue. Vocab, and, you know, vocab, vocab moment for, for the listener, for the listeners, plumb bobbing. What? Plum bobbing is not a big vocab word. That's just like a golf. Yeah, but that's golf in, vocab, that's inside, vocab, yeah, inside no. sports there. Okay. Plum bobbing is when Thank guys you. stand over the ball to read the putt and they like hold. I don't know the exact science behind it, but they hold their index finger of one of their hands up in front of their eyes to try and uh, I think they're referencing like a depth perception there. I don't oh, know. They're, they're reading a putt from straight over the ball. They're standing over the ball and hold the thing that Adam Scott used to do to slow things down. And Adam Scott being an advocate guy. of sl- Adam Scott being an advocate of slow play came to the defense of JB Holmes, but it has to change. You cannot have a five and a half round, five and a half hour round after playing an hour of the last round. It's just not. You know, my biggest gripe about that weekend was. You know, my biggest gripe about it was how everyone. No, I I would have liked Tiger to win, but he was just kind of spent by the end of it because all that rain delay and the amount of golf he played on the back end. I kind of expected that. My gripe is how everyone was complaining about how cold it was and how it was freezing and how the conditions were. It was like 55 degrees. Get over yourselves. All right. Just stop complaining. It was was golf cold. It was LA cold. I've played much colder than 55. Mm And been fined. Don't complain. So Matt wants Matt wants all you uh, you two pros to to toughen up. Yeah, but uh, exactly. What is it? WGC? What this weekend? Mexico. 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 I don't remember the exact name of the tournament, but they're in Mexico. Yeah, it's where Phil and JT had that. uh, They they had an awesome ending with it last year, right? Yes. Uh, Phil won. Phil and his Cavs are the defending champion. Where did that come from? I don't, well, apparently now you're allowed to like wear shorts and practice rounds. So he's always um, at crazy calves. So yeah, I think Phil's just like, I got these calves. I'm going to show them off. Good I just assumed that like after that jump at the Masters, at his first major win back, what was that? 2006? Maybe that's where he realized he has to get. I got to work on these shit. calves. No, yeah, I saw I that gotta... jump. I'm, I'm not getting any lift. You know how I fix that? Calves. Yeah, there I like is. that. There it is. I like that. So mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't seen him, go Google Phil Nicholson's calves. So it's good stuff right there. But yeah, Matt, let's jump in a little buy or sell before Probably we don't Google that at work. I know you're <laughs> NSFW. Uh, I know you're a, a busy man, Matt. So let's jump into some buy or sell. Let's do it. You want to start? Or you want me to? Um, I'll start us off here, Matt. Right. Buy or sell Kyrie's All Star Weekend troll. Uh, I know we had the All Star game and um, always so much going on at the NBA that we didn't really touch upon it, but. Um, uh, we saw prior to the All-Star game on Sunday, Kyrie and his good old pal Kevin Durant just hanging out in the tunnel, and it appears that he holds up the number two with his hand and says two max slots, uh, quite possibly referring to the two max slots open in New York and the mm-hmm. possibility of Durant and Irving meeting there. Buy or sell this as a troll job, or this was just Kyrie? You know, being being Kyrie, it's I'm buying I'm buying it as a troll job. Kyrie knows what he's doing. He know those are the two two guys. While they, while they are the biggest names on the free agent market this summer, they're the two guys who have the biggest issue with the media. Um, so I think this was an orchestrated thing by them. They they know that there's cameras everywhere, especially when they're around on All Star Weekend, no less. Um, they know that they're at risk of being pretty much cell phone filmed at all times when they're you know at the All Star game preparing for it, whatever. This was absolutely a troll job. They knew what they were doing, and they're going to use it as fuel against the media in future press conferences, and it's just going to keep getting more and more. Um, uh, the storyline for me with them getting mad at the media is getting old, but I think they're just going to keep using this to fuel that. So, yes, I'm going to buy. It was absolutely a troll job. I'm not saying they both both end up in New York, but neither of them are stupid enough to be that blunt and upfront about it. Yeah, but is he stupid enough to do this and cause all this... Uh you know, Kyrie's more, worried, Kyrie's more worried about getting back at the media than he is about, you know, winning with keep, the Celtics. Yes, I, that would, he, that's he essentially is, what you're I honestly here. think and Katie doesn't have to worry about it because he's going to win a title anyways this year. Um, Kyrie maybe even knows that, too. That no matter what Boston does, they're probably not winning a title. And he's more worried about making his point to the media because that just seems like the kind of person he is um, than yeah. he is about, you know, winning games with the Boston Celtics. Um, so I, I don't know how Boston wants to react to that or react to him. I know some Boston fans aren't terribly thrilled with him at the moment. Um, that's a, that, that, that's where I am at this. I think it was a troll job because Kyrie 
is more concerned about the media than he is the Celtics. All right. I'm with it. All right. Um, buy or sell. Uh, Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert's comments. In the Kevin Colbert's comments. That's alliteration right there, Joe. That's a trick for all you English majors. Um, um, but it's not. It, it, yeah, it's, it's alliteration. It's not technically. It's alliteration. Uh, but it's, it's sounding. It's sounding. doesn't have to be the same letter. It's the same yeah, sound. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're I know right. I'm right. This isn't my first rodeo. Um, he said that he, he called Ben Roethlisberger the unquestioned leader in the locker room, which is okay if that's if that's where he stopped. But he One also said Ben Roethlisberger has the freedom to publicly criticize teammates if he sees fit. He's the elder statesman and the Super Bowl winner. If our players were smart, they'd listen to him because he's been there. He's done that. He can tell them, no, guys, what you're doing is or is not good enough to do this. So buy or sell Kevin Colbert going all in on a quarterback being the leader of the locker room who isn't all that great of a guy and is probably going to be retired in two years when he has some young talent in that room. There was a lot there. But it was. W- w- boil down that buy or sell for me. Buy or sell, the, I mean, the GM speaking out and saying this. Like, okay. I, guess I sell it. You have to sell uh, it, I, I feel like. I sell it. If you feel that way, perfect, but keep that to yourself. Um, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger is you the leader of that team. You tell that to Ben team. privately. You don't have to say it. Ben has a voice just a little bit quieter than that of Mike Tomlin, I'd say, like in terms of the hierarchy of affecting change on that franchise and what needs to be done. And yes, you give your quarterback carte blanche to do what he needs to do to win football games and get you back to the Super Bowl. But you do not give him uh, free reign on you stop at teammates. publicly criticizing. I think you stop teammates. short of saying publicly criticize your teammates. Uh, that's uh, that's a slippery slope there, and we've known Ben to not necessarily be the uh, most stand up guy. So you give him this type of freedom, and I think you're asking for more issues. Yeah, I mean, if he just would have stuck to those, you know, he's the guy who's been to the Super Bowl. Our players were, if they were smart, they'd listen to him. Like that's that's fine. He's right. Like yeah. you should, but where he says he has Period. free reign <laughs> to publicly criticize like that, yeah. no he no one does that i mean if he wants to eat your lunch he can eat your lunch if he says give me that turkey sandwich yeah. give him the turkey sandwich essentially yeah, yeah. go on that's it no your that's, turn. A, that's a, oh, okay yeah, your turn. Yeah, yeah. we'll do it all right matt buy or sell let me go to my notes. Buy or sell? Oh, the, okay. Yeah, this one was. I was just springing on you because you know. Yeah, got to love it's, that. It's pretty matter of fact, but buy or sell? Detroit still sucks. Oh wow, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, wow, I'm gonna have to buy that. Right, right along with Nike stock, I'm gonna have to buy that, Joe. <laughs> buy it with Detroit. as much money as I have. Detroit still sucks. Okay. That's a great question. I appreciate the question. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to wrap things up with a uh, with an NBA question. Um, LeBron said he he's activating intensity now to, to for this mm-hmm. playoff run. Buy mm-hmm. uh, buy or sell, Joe, that LeBron's activated intensity gets the Lakers into the playoffs. Now I need some clearing up here. He's activating intensity, but is he activating zero dark thirty or whatever See, zero dark twenty zero dark, zero dark thirty twenty three. Is this now? Is this now something between those two? Is this like a different this is space like, he's occupying? So this is like when remember you used to wear six with Miami. So I think that like uh-huh. this is like zero dark thirty six, okay. and then once we get to the play, so like it's better than zero dark thirty, but not quite as good as zero dark thirty twenty three. Yeah, if that may. Okay. Now he didn't say this, but I'm is he going to be on social is, media? I guess is my question. Well, even when he says he's not, he still is. I don't know if you remember when he was in Zero Dark Thirty Twenty Three a few years ago. He liked that Instagram post by Perfect Booties, so he's he's still oh. on he's he's still on uh, he's still on social media. So whether he says uh, should have just he thought he was on the burner is, account. He in fact was not. Are they going to be wearing matching suits? And is he going to be carrying a copy of The Godfather, the, the novel, with him? to every I game and be the reading matching the suits. I think the matching suits worked against him, and I don't think you could get... Um, I think that was just a J.R. Know, Smith thing. You got a lot of stylish kids on uh, L.A. who like uh, who like dripping their own swagger, mm-hmm. I think is... Uh, that's that's is, what the kids are saying these days. ...is a thing now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, Kuz likes to, likes to get dolled up. Uh, uh, I think uh, Ingram is a big fashion guy as well. 
Um, so I, I don't know if you can convince everyone to wear the same thing, which I don't know if you can convince everyone to play basketball together. So I think that's their biggest issue right now, mm-hmm. um, being the 10 seed and all and LeBron being in uh, in the position to miss his first playoffs in, I believe, 15 years, his second year in the league, whatever yeah. that was. Um, something I think that's there. right. While we're on the topic of fashion, a little bonus buy or Ooh, sell here, Matt. Love that. Buy or sell Barry O's embroidered 44 bomber. You know, I got a, I didn't get a great look at it. Oh, Google it right I'm now. I'm going to Google it right now. It's a rag and bone bomber that rag and bone probably can't keep on the shelves right now because um, Barack Obama Barry Obama obviously doesn't have the 44. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it is a $319 rag and bone bomber. Okay, that's so a nice, a that's well-made, a nice, well-made that's a nice of, jacket. It's a nice jacket. That's Originally nice jacket. 485 down to 319 Barack so, Obama was um, all over Twitter last night at that game. He had the jacket. He had the comment with the gif where he was saying his shoe exploded or whatever. His shoe yeah. blew up. It, 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 and he had the one Twitter, the one tweet where, shoe exploded. The one picture on Twitter where Maria Taylor was doing the hit in front of Barack Obama. What are you in the background, do? it might have looked what like Barack was, was was taking a look. I don't really know, but he was, you know, he was the minor storyline of that game last night. Sure, the commander in chief was no, he was the major storyline of that game. No, it's not uh, I'm sure the major storyline. The, the commander in chief was watching the ball game there. We'll give him the benefit. Yeah, better he was. Better there was just something else over there that he was taking a look at. Yep. For sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Positive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Positive Definitely. Yeah. Never a doubt. <laughs> well, that's all I got for you, man. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't think I got anything else for you. It's been fun. All right, folks. Well, thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Moose and Roots podcast. This episode 93, as we inch closer to the century mark. Uh, we got to figure think, out what we're doing here for our for our big big one hundred. Thank you, folks, for sticking with us later in the week. I know uh, some we we try to go Tuesdays, but every once in a while we are uh, we are working men, and sometimes the schedules don't uh, don't quite mesh. Um, if you'd mm-hmm. like to pay us to podcast, though, we'll happily have a Tuesday every week. Uh, but until yep. that point, yep. stick tough with us. So uh, are we starting a GoFundMe? I think we're starting a GoFundMe. I think that's what that is. You want to take care of that. I got to go to work, so you, you're you off this morning. Yeah, we'll yeah, work so on it. So you'll take care of it. <laughs> um, we'll work on it. We got, uh, we got Kings, we got Kings uh, kicking up the second half here. I think you guys Kings, are making the playoffs. Uh, I'm, Kings I'm Warriors. On it. it all starts, 25 games to play. We'll be in Oracle tonight. I think on, I'm going to uh, take the Kings money line. Kings money line. Well, you can get them at 4-1 to one to make uh, the playoffs right now. Ooh, too, so I like that. You, if you do feel that way, uh, I do I'm like sure that. you can find that that line somewhere. I'll so take a look at that. Jump on the bandwagon now, uh, because Sacktown. not only not only would it be them making the playoffs, they would likely make the playoffs in the eight seed, and therefore play the one seed, who would likely be the Warriors. And uh, great a, commute for you to those games. Well, a great commute, a, a potential four game set with a rival, a Northern California rival here. There you uh, go. That would be uh, would be a good time. Or a potential seven-game set. I just well, had them getting swept before they even made the playoffs. But. I know it's a potential seven-game set, but... I think they can I love you. They I, can, think they you can I think you're right. I think they can get one. The way they've played the Warriors this year wouldn't surprise me if they got one tonight yeah, they played as the, well. I, I've actually watched a couple, randomly watched probably two or three of their games against the Warriors this year, and they played them well, but obviously the Warriors are a team that can kind of flip that switch, but yeah. very well might just kind of sleepwalk a game or two and then let the Kings into it. No sleeping tonight. That's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 93 for Matt. I'm Joe. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Send us your support. Send us those questions and like, share, comment, and subscribe. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.